Latter-day Liberty Podcast, Episode 9. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Latter-day Liberty Podcast with your hosts, Matt Kent and Daryl Portsline. Uh, we're really glad to have you back here today. Today, we are actually going to be talking about um, socialism and communism. Uh, we're lumping those pretty much together. We'll get a little bit more into that. Um, but we're going to be talking about socialism and communism and this thing in the church that is often mistaken for socialism, which is the law of consecration. And uh, so, this is something that in even with church members, I've heard people compare, you know, well, the law of consecration is pretty much just socialism, right? Um, and so, we wanted to we wanted to get into this con uh, into this uh, uh, topic and kind of dissect that argument, but also pull from um, a talk given by Marion G. Romney back in the day. It was in the April conference, general conference um, of 1966, if you can believe it. But apparently, anyways, apparently back at the time um, when socialism was really starting to gain ground um, as far as popularity goes, they the church leaders had heard this same comparison being made by members of the church. And in order to alleviate and get rid of, or, or um, to point out the differences in that between the two, they specifically um, requested that uh, Elder Romney give this speech um, um, outlining the differences between, contrasting the two. And so, anyways, he gets into, he kind of defines what socialism and communism are. He then gets into defining what the new order is. He compares the, you know, what is the same, and then he compares the contrasts, and then he um, uh, he gets into some other points about it. So, we, we thought we would just follow along with it. It's almost as though he intended us to use this in our podcast, because <laughs> it's pretty much just an outline um, uh, of this topic, and he does a fantastic job. Uh, we won't have time to get into everything because he actually gives a, a bunch of scriptural references and that sort of thing that um, are fantastic, but we just won't have time to get into um, in our podcast. So um, anyways, so to, to start off with, um, let's go ahead and we're just going to dig right into this, and I'm going to turn it over to Daryl and let him start with um, what what is the definition of socialism and communism? Yeah, I'm just going to uh, start by quoting um, his quote of the Webster's Dictionary at the time. Uh, well, it was actually the 1951 edition. Um, I imagine these definitions are a little bit different if we read the dictionary definitions today, um, which would have been an interesting comparison, actually. But um, to, to start with, he, he quotes one part that says that socialism is a political and economic theory of social organization based on collective or governmental ownership and democratic management of essential means for the production and distribution of goods. Also a policy or practice based on this theory. Um, so basically we're talking government ownership of pretty much everything. Um, and it's interesting that it throws in that democratic management part too. Um, if you can imagine uh every good or service having to be managed in a democratic way, uh, you could see that getting pretty unwieldy really quickly. Um, so that's kind of the first thing that I noticed um, reading through that. Uh, and I know that we, in this country, we often, you know, put 
democracy up on a pedestal. And there, there are some maybe redeeming qualities of democracy, but we all kind of intuitively understand that not everything can be a democracy. Like the way we run our own households, if, if that, if we ran our households like a democracy, you could see that that would get pretty ridiculous pretty quickly. So um, <laughs> that's just kind of one interesting thing that I wanted to point out right away there. Yeah, because our um, kids already outnumber us. So, I mean, I'm just saying that <laughs> nothing would ever go our way. <laughs> yeah, you, you'd be, yeah, you'd be done for at that point. Um, they'd do away with you real quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, another, um, actually, this is a quote from uh, Encyclopedia Britannica uh, that says, socialism uh, reduced to its simple, simplest legal and practical expression means the complete discarding of the institution of private property by transforming it into public property and the division of the resultant income equally and indiscriminately among the entire population. Um, so that is um, essentially what socialism is. Um, it's government ownership of everything and it's doing away with with private property, which I think as we'll see here, uh, that's one of the huge distinctions uh, that we can draw between the uh, United Order versus communism and socialism is that idea of private property. So we'll we'll get into that a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. And that so yeah, we we will contrast it um, coming up. But that's uh, that is one of the the interesting things because if if you talk about um, you know the government having like there being a centralized location for. The control of all of the property—that um, is—that is where we we end up. I think where a lot of that misunderstanding and that connection between the two come comes from is that centralized. Um, uh, um, you, uh, I don't know how do you put it. Anyways, a centralized location of all the the property, right? It comes into the central um, location. So, okay. So with that said. Um, there is, he does give the distinction very quickly between socialism and communism. And I, I did want to just point that out very quickly before I get into the United Order. Um, he talks about, and I'm, we are just going off of what, um, what he, what Elder Romney um, points out in this, uh, in this talk, but he gives the distinction between communism and socialism, literally just, just boiling down to how they, they wanted to implement this. So um, communism, um, communists believed that, or believe that the only way to make this actually happen is through revolution. And so you, you literally replace the current political um, structure or whatever with a communist uh, structure, whereas socialism it, they view it more as you know you 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 convert the current political system into this system. So you end up with the same at the same point. It's just that communists believe that it's it's it can only be done through revolution, and socialists. Um, believe that it can be done through infiltrating the current political system and 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 changing it from there. Um, that was literally the only distinction that he drew between the two, <laughs> which I I also thought was uh, very interesting as well. Yeah, and I think that we could we could uh, at least give a nod to or point out that that there are other distinctions that that people will make, and uh, and I'm not an expert on socialist or socialism or communism uh i i like to know enough about them well i like to say that i know enough about them to know that i don't like them but um 
I've heard the the other distinction made that it that it has something to do with um, socialism might be uh, might be more of a democratic process, whereas communism might be something else. Um, I don't know if that's the real distinction. Uh, in that, in one of those definitions I read, it does talk about socialism and and it does talk about democratic management of the means of production, um, kind of in the same definition there. So maybe that is part of it. I think uh, the interesting thing for me is that it doesn't matter so much whether you get to socialism through democracy or through revolution or whatever, um, because you're you're trying to get to the same place either way. You're you're use, you're trying to implement those same underlying principles either way. Now, obviously, communism or, or uh, trying to get there through revolution is obviously a much more uh, bloody way to get there and and so um other means of getting there might be better in that sense but we're if we end up at the same place we have to understand that the basic principles underlying that governance are the same and so for this for purposes of this discussion i think we're we're just going to lump communism and socialism together by saying that it's it's a, a doing away of property rights and it is uh government control of of the means of production and and uh, that's what we'll be contrasting with the United Order, right? And so, and just along those, the that, um, like you're taking talking about, you know, they're they're both both they both aim at getting to the same place. And when you talk about that, he actually gives the three aims of both of them, right? They both advocate one that private ownership of vital means of production be abolished, and that all such property pass under some form of co- uh, coordinated public control. Two, that the power of the state be used to achieve their aims. And three, and this is the most important, is that, um, and this is in quotes, so he's quoting, I believe he's getting this from somewhere else uh, with a little bit more authority than just him. But he says, number three is that that which, uh, that wi- uh, I'm sorry, that with a change in the control of industry will go a change in the motives which operate in the industrial system. So they literally aim to, you know, once we get, co- once we get rid of private property rights, um, then, you know, the motives of those, you know, the, the selfish selfish motives of of uh, of all people involved will go away as well um that is what their their aim is and so anyway so in uh in uh moving on to the united order or the law of consecration um he gets into he talks about how that with the united order he says now as to the united order and here i will give the words of the lord and not my words the United Order, the Lord's program for eliminating the, ina- uh, the inequalities among men, is based upon the underlying concept that the earth and all things therein belong to the Lord, and that men hold earthly possessions as stewards accountable to God. Okay, so right away, yes, God owns everything, but He has given us stewardship over it. So right away, you get right in, back into um he means for private property, you know, <laughs> he means us to have uh, personal stewardship over, yes, yes, we believe that God owns everything, but he is giving us stewardship over things. Um, he goes on to, um, let's see, he goes on to talk about consecration and stewardship. And, and this is where um, the, the whole concept of getting rid of uh, private property actually falls apart because he talks about how with consecration and stewardship, first off, they are um, completely voluntary. Um, because, and the reason for that, if you think about this, right, to consecrate something, 
you cannot consecrate something um, if, if it's taken from you, right? That's not consecration. That is well, theft in, in most cases, but, um, but, but that's, that's the difference, right? The, literally, God's plan is to have you voluntarily give your, what the property you have been given stewardship over, you give that, um, you give that up and you give that to a centralized, to the bishop pretty much, to the bishop's storehouse. Um, so it, it's based on stewardship. So first off, it's property you own yourself. You voluntarily give that, which then ends up being consecration, right? And it's only consecration when you actually give it with the right intentions. But again, that all comes from personal, your own free agency. You give it up on your own. Um, okay. So he gets into, um, now, so if we want to talk about the similarities between the two, and this is where I think people get they, they get caught up on this is the fact that in the end with, with socialism and with the um, law of consecration, all the property ends up in a centralized location with, you know, with the bishop in the law of consecration and with the government in, in socialism. Um, so he talks about here, the following are similarities, both one deal with production and distribution of goods and two aim to promote the well-being of men by eliminating their economic inequalities and three Envision the elimination of the selfish motives in our private capitalistic industrial system. Okay, so I did want to first point out, he does point out that um, there are currently selfish motives in the private capitalistic uh, industrial system. There, there, we cannot, as capitalists, we cannot deny that fact that there is, you know, there is selfishness involved there. Um, but that is the the idea of socialism is that. If we seize control of that of that capital, then then the people's hearts will follow, right? Then then that is the problem. Private ownership is the the problem, and so we if we seize that and we get rid of private ownership, then those selfish uh, d- selfish motives go away, and uh, that's one of the um, that's that's what their idea of how to get rid of that. So, anyways, he talks. He then goes into the differences between the two. And um, I'm going to take these, I think I'll take the first one, and then Daryl, I'm going to turn the second one over to you again, because it's going to be me talking for a while if, if it's just, <laughs> if, I, if I go through all of these. But number one, he talks about, he says, the cornerstone of the united order is belief in God and acceptance of him as Lord of the earth and the author of the united order. Socialism, wholly materialistic, is founded in the wisdom of men and not of God. Um, he goes on to say that, you know, not all socialists are atheists, but um, none of them in theory or practice seek the Lord to establish his righteousness. So the, the end goal of socialism isn't um, to push God's will and that. It is literally, you know, they're, they're out to get rid of selfishness, yes, but not in order to, um, to further God's uh, kingdom. Um, then, yeah, so then the second one, I'll, I'll turn over to you. Okay, and this is, I'm glad you gave me this one because this is my favorite one. Um, <laughs> I'll just quote him here. The United Order is implemented by the voluntary free will actions of men, evidenced by a consecration of all their property to the Church of God. One time, the Prophet Joseph Smith asked a question by the brethren about the inventories they were taking. His answer was to the effect, you don't need to be concerned about the inventories. Unless a man is willing to consecrate everything he has, he doesn't come into the United Order. 
Uh, and that was the that was the quote from Joseph Smith. And then he wraps up by saying, on the other hand, socialism is implemented by external force, the power of the state. Um, so the the big thing here is the voluntary free will actions of men. So socialism denies that that uh, the voluntary that voluntary actions of men should be used to um, get to this point of equality that we're after. Um, whereas uh, the the United Order recognizes the fact that it will only work if it's voluntary. And not only will that be the only way that it could work, but it's also the only moral way to accomplish it. So the United Order has a fundamental um, respect for our agency built in, which makes sense because the United Order was created by God who has a respect for our agency. Whereas socialism completely uh, denies our our God-given right to agency and um, assumes that then the only way to accomplish this would be through the coercion of the state and essentially through threats of violence if you don't comply. Whereas you can see from the quote from Joseph Smith, he just says, well, if they're not, if they're not willing to give up everything, then they just can't come into the United Order. And it's as simple as that. It's not, well, let's go take some guns over there and go force them to be part of the United Order. You know, this is, this is a huge contrast between the, how socialism works and, and how the law of consecration works. Yeah, and that's really interesting part, right? Is that, I mean, that right there is a very stark contrast. Like you said, the socialism, whereas socialism is forcing you to be a part of the system, um, the United Order is literally, it has to be voluntary. And if you're not going to live it, then you, you can't be a part of it. You know, it's like, it, it's one of, you know, well, if you're not going to live it, then you, you can't be a part of it. The other one is uh, you have to live it. And that's, that is a very, a very big contrast. If you really, you know, if you think about that. <laughs> um, so anyways, the last thing that he points out here, um, and this is also um, very, um, a fundamental difference as well is that while while socialism and that the the point of socialism and communism is literally to eliminate private property and to put it into to public um, uh, ownership, um, the United Order he says here the United Order is operated upon the principle of private ownership and individual management. So not only is it that you know. That you you're left you know you might be left with some ownership or whatever it's it's literally based upon that principle of uh, again it goes back to you cannot consecrate something that you don't own you you must if you're going to be charitable it has to be yours and you have to voluntarily give it that is what charity is right and that's where the 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 united order that's literally what it's based upon is that principle okay so he gets into yeah and then on the flip side one. Yeah, I was just going to say on the flip side, when he when when that property becomes re- distributed back to us, we still then support the idea of private property. So you have to voluntarily give your private property into that system. And then when you receive your portion back, now it's yours again. And, uh, you know, there's no entitlement. There's no, well, he, you know, he got more than me. Well, take that up with the bishop. You know, like it's you don't have a right to that person's property anymore. That is yours now. It, it has been given back to you and now it's your private property again. And what's interesting, I'm glad that you bring that up because when I, as I was reading about this, one of the interesting things to me that I thought was awesome was, so first off, they, they say right in there, if let's say, for example, you know, I'm living the, the law of consecration. And so I, I deed all of my lands over to the church. 
if at that point I decide I, I'm done with this, I don't want to live this anymore, give me back my lands, you know, I'm, I'm just taking this back. The whole, per- the whole point was, no, no, you, you deeded that over to the church. It is the church's. You, you have no rightful um, you know, claim to that anymore. You have literally given up your rights to that, that ownership. But on the flip side of that, if the church deeded over to some, you know, if they gave me land, um, me and my family, a, a portion of land, and we started working that. And then at that point, we decided we're done. We're out of here. The church actually, they were told, you know, th- it's their property. You don't go in there and remove that property from them. It isn't, it isn't given to them, you know, as long as they do what we want them to. It literally is, it's theirs. We're giving it to them and they have stewardship over it. If they decide that they no longer want to be part of this, we don't, we don't go in and, and take that back. So it really is. Um, it goes both ways in that sense. And I love that it gets rid of the it gets rid of the entitlement attitude, and it cuts out the resentment that that comes along with forcible redistribution of wealth. Um, and I've talked about this before in in a blog post. But um, that w- when you when you forcibly take something from from one person and give it to another, you you really get resentment on both sides because the the person that is that has been robbed essentially um, obviously resents being robbed. Um, the person who receives now gets this feeling of entitlement, like like they were somehow owed or due that that thing that was given to them, and they also then could even start to resent the fact that that person didn't give it voluntarily. Well, you you only gave it because the state made you. Well, well, yeah, that's socialism. That's how it works, and and uh, it. I think it really fosters some some bad feelings that obviously the Lord does not want us to be dealing with. He and 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 knows a better way, and and that better way is the United Order. Right, and that's yeah, that's a great point too. Uh, so he actually gives two more reasons why um, uh, the between the differences, and these are extremely important as well. Um, so the fourth one here that he gives is that the United Order is non-political. And this is this is actually something that is very um, interesting to me, and something that I've been trying to um, to push as well. So he talks about how because um, uh, socialism is specifically politically based, right? You turn you you take over the political system, and then you turn it into a so- socialistic uh, political government, um, and then they are the ones that are going to be taking everybody's property. Um, he talks about how because that is what it's based upon, it's it's then exposed to all of the the corruption that comes with government and and with that kind of power, and uh, so this is with this I will just throw out there. This actually brings me back to a I can't stand the argument that I hear from people when we talk about like you know when I when I express the importance of liberty and you know we we should be um, you know free agency is is so important essential to, and we should have freedom and liberty for the people um, when I talk about this and libertarianism with with people I actually get quite often I'll have people tell me you know they're like well I mean if if people were perfect I could totally see that working out you know if people were righteous if they were good that that would totally work out but you know until then y- you got to have a government and my <laughs> My argument is on actually contrary to that is the fact that, you know, when you set up a government and you give specific people, uh, quote unquote, authority and power, um, you actually, you know, you entice the power hungry uh, people into those positions. Um, So I would say, yeah, a government's a great idea 
if you've got, you know, righteous people ending up in the, but until people are perfect, I think government is a very dangerous, uh, it's, it's a very, um, it can be a very dangerous thing in, in my mind. When you, if you turn all that power over to a, a select few, you literally are, um, I could see that working if, you know, if Christ were here, I could see us turning all that power and that to him. But until we're, we've got perfect people running for office, I, I would say that's, we should not give them all that power and authority. Yeah. And, um, it is dangerous. Uh, government is very dangerous. And I, and, uh, I think that is why the constitution is such an important document. And, uh, Elder Romney actually gets into that, um, a little bit, uh, talking about how important the constitution is along, along these lines, because, because of how dangerous government is, the constitution is our check on that, right? It is, it is a, a written down, um, explanation of what the proper role of government is and what its limits should be. So, um, I think the most important part of the constitution is not necessarily the way that it set up the government or, um, you know, these specific implementation details of the government, but the most important part of the constitution is the specific specific limits that it set on the power of government and where they are, where the government is overstepping its bounds. And that, the, int- the intent of that was to take some of that danger out of the government, that, the, that dangerousness that you talked about. And um, obviously we can see that much of our government is socialistic today. And, and uh, Marion G. Romney says that exact same thing as well. Um, and so, you know, in that sense, the Constitution hasn't been able to stop all of that encroachment on our liberties. But uh, he does point out that the Constitution is an inspired document and um, what is an important thing to, to help kind of stay that tide of, of encroachment on our liberties. So um, I, I think that, you know, with that in mind, um, governments are, are dangerous but God has given us some tools to, to kind of help, help us try to control them. And we need to, we need to use those tools and put them, put them into practice, you know, use the constitution to, to, uh, kind of, you know, get, get our rights back, get our liberties back. No. And that's, and that's a very good point. And that goes right into, um, the idea. And I love he, when he talks about it in here, I'm going to link to this, uh, to this talk in, in the show notes page, but it, he, it is fantastic. Like you said, he talks, he gets into the constitution and that one of the things that he points out about the constitution is that it's based on, um, the, it's the principles that it's based on that are really, you know, which literally comes down to liberty and, and man's free agency. And, um, and so he, he, it's, um, his, his, uh, context that he gives in his, when he's quoting some of the scripture, when it talks about, you know, that law, which is constitutional, he talks about it being, you know, well, the, the gauge, whether or not it's constitutional literally boils down to, um, you know, as, as God talks about it, it boils down to, does it promote man's agency? And if not, then it's unconstitutional. And if it does, then that's constitutional. I thought that was, that was an awesome distinction that he made, but he does bring it down to the principles in that. And there, the, the last, so back to the, 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 the differences between the law of consecration and socialism, the last point that he makes is that, you know, um, so he says that a righteous people is a prerequisite to the united order. And so 
while the this is where it gets us back into the whole idea and the whole importance of man's agency, right? Um, it, the United Order recognizes the the vital importance of keeping liberty and and letting man have his agency because there's no righteousness or wickedness without it, right? And he talks about how he he just mentions again that um, he says socialism argues that it is a system. Uh, that it as a system will eliminate the evils of, of the profit motive. So that is that is one of the main differences as well. The United Order or the Law of Consecration recognizes the need for agency and also recognizes that the only way to get rid of you know uh, selfishness and and evil motives of of people is through their own voluntary action they you can't get rid of it any other way whereas socialism literally believes that you know well we will force it on people and if, if this sounds familiar it's because it goes right back to the war in heaven you know <laughs> the, the the first council that we had i mean this literally goes back to satan's plan right we can force people into this and then you know i will make them do the right thing and then ta-da salvation for everybody and you know and again it, it he points out here that that literally is not a possibility right yep um I think as we wrap up here, um, it'd be cool to at least touch a little bit on um, what he says about, you know, uh, the United Order going forward. Like, what what are we supposed to do then? So we've established the fact that socialism and communism are most certainly not the United Order. They are very different. Um, but uh, they both are after this kind of equality that we don't that we don't have right now. Um, so how can we get there? And you you touched on it a little bit when you said that we need a righteous people to to really be able to fully implement it. And uh, so so that's kind of what what our goal is. That's we we need to uh, look at you know take a look at ourselves and and may, become righteous enough ourselves to be ready for that. Um, and then uh, I wanted to quote something here because he again talks about uh, you know reaffirms the fact that you know this is not socialism and and actually he talks about how if um as we're as we're preparing ourselves for um the united order um we we have to watch out because he says if in the meantime socialism takes over in america it will have to be displaced if need be by the power of god because the united order can never function under socialism or the welfare state for the good and sufficient reason that the principles upon which socialism and the United Order are conceived and operated are inimical. So I, he, it, he's very plain, you know, uh, we can't hope to even get ourselves closer to the United Order by implementing socialism first. That is actually taking us further away from our goal of the United Order. And I, I love how, how strong he is on that point. And uh, he really leaves no room for us to weasel out of it. No, and and I love and you're right exactly. And what's interesting about this so um if you I don't know about anybody else um you know but I would I have been losing faith in in the political system period. So, you know, here we are in 2016 there's another election coming up and uh, presidential election coming up and and 
I literally had had uh, resigned myself. I was not going to vote. And all of a sudden, now the you know we're hearing over the pulpit. They're reading to us all these uh, from from the first presidency and the quorum of the twelve. They're coming out and saying we need more involvement um, in the political system by our members. You know, people aren't voting and people aren't getting involved. Um, we need more involvement and we need more. You know, we need good and honest people voted into office. And so with that, I reluctantly then decided, okay, I'm going to have to, I mean, it's my, I'm, I'm obligated now, right? B- because they've, they've told me to do this. I, I'm, I do want to follow the counsel of, of our prophets and, and apostles here on the earth. And so I, you know, looking at, uh, looking at the options, I, I, yeah, I, I really didn't know exactly where to start. And actually, um, my wife just showed me um, a quote that she saw on Facebook. Somebody had posted it, and so she forwarded it to me. But um, it was a quote by um, President Benson, where he literally just, he says in there, you know, um, choosing a, the lesser of two evils is still choosing an evil. And he talks about how, you know, we shouldn't be voting for somebody specifically just to, you know, just because, well, I mean, they've at least got a chance to win. He pointed out, no, if you're choosing between the lesser of two evils, you're still choosing an evil. We should vote for people that we feel actually have out the, the right principles and morals, whether or not we believe they can win. Um, and th- that to me, uh, it, it alleviated a lot of, you know, uh, the I don't know the the conflict going on in my mind, and I'm I'm planning on writing somebody in if if they don't have somebody on on the ticket that I feel very strongly I could uh, fully support, and so uh, but anyways I, I would go back to to your point you know when we talk about the Constitution and the laws of the land what how this the what this um, land what America was founded on again it goes back to those principles that the Constitution was meant to was set up to um, to protect. And, uh, and so again, it goes back to we as a people need to get more involved and start really looking for and pushing for these people that good and honest people that we feel will actually represent, you know, and, and protect those rights and privileges. Yeah. And we should judge them. We should judge those, uh, political candidates based on their adherence adherence to those principles. And a lot of those principles are written down in our constitution. And so not only can you make the, you know, the moral argument and, and from the Mormon perspective that, that, uh, uh, you know, they, they adhere to certain principles that, that we, um, espouse as members of the church, but you can also point to the constitution and that gives you a legal recourse as well, but to say that, no, no, I mean, they're breaking the constitution all over the place. We, we should not vote for them. They, they shouldn't even be allowed to be the president, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, kind of use that as our measuring stick, um, instead of, you know, those other things like you mentioned, like, well, can they win or what party are they a part of? You know, we need to forget all that stuff because that, that none of that matters. What matters is the principles that, that they are based on. And, and I think, you know, to your point, as far as voting in that, um, everybody might have a little bit different breaking point where they decide, you know, that's, I can't vote for them because of their stance on this or because of this principle that they have. Um, you know, you don't have to necessarily vote for perfection. None of us are perfect. Um, every candidate might have a few things that you're, that you're a little bit unsure about, but if you, if you reach that breaking point where you feel like that they are no longer um, supporting principles that you hold very dear, 
then you know I think that's the point where you yeah you you write somebody in or you find the 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 third or fourth or fifth party candidate or whatever you need to do to to uh, uh, choose that person who who is going to uphold the constitution and and the you know more fundamental principles of liberty that that we um, espouse in in our church doctrine. Yeah, and that's that's a great point. And and uh, so I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there. We're we're running over time anyways. But so in. To wrap that up, I will also point out that this this does, in the end, come back to us again. Just like, you know, with the, the law of consecration, the united order, the prerequisite is a righteous people. Like you brought up already, it really does point out the fact that we need to start with ourselves and make sure that we are, um, you know, we're a righteous people um, because there's no other way that the united order is going to work. And um, the, the last thing I would point out is this in voting in that, again, if we're going to hold somebody to the Constitution as our guide, that does actually imply that we know what's in it. <laughs> and so um, I would say that we have a, a responsibility and an obligation on our part to know what's in it, to 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 look those things up. You know, I I just heard a speaker recently, You, I mean, you and I were there, but um, we, we heard a, a speaker recently talk about, you know, this isn't going to happen on the federal level. Like the, the changes that need to take place are not going to happen on the federal level. And even if you want to break that down and say, we're going to try this on the state level, I still think you're thinking too big. Um, the communities and families and communities, are, you know, local communities is where this is actually going to start. And this, again, points to the fact that we ourselves need to, you know, start with ourselves, look inward and make sure that we that we know what standard we're going to be holding these people to. So anyways, um, did you have anything else you wanted to add before we, we wrap up? No, that, that's good. Awesome. Well, um, we appreciate you guys joining us again today. Um, we, I do want to, in closing, um, throw a little plug out there for our uh, for episode ten. Uh, we figured that you know nine episodes. Um, I, I interviewed on in episode three. I, I interviewed Daryl for the first time, and then I just asked him to come on board full time just to, to so that we had two of us talking. Well, we have decided that we have kind of reached the you know that point where a lot of the stuff that we're trying to get into we aren't the you know I don't know the authorities on these things or the the experts on these topics and so um, we can give our opinions but we we, we really feel like we, we'd like to get more people involved with this so in episode 10 we actually will be having a, a special guest come on and we will be discussing um, uh, the the importance of being anxiously engaged so that um, uh, please join us again next time. We, we really are excited to have this, uh, this uh, gentleman come on. And uh, until then, you have a great one. We'll see you.